Welcome back to Gateways, a podcast about the people, places, and possibilities of our regional cities. I'm Ben Foreman, Director of the Gateway Cities Innovation Institute at Mass Inc. Later on in the show, we'll be sharing a conversation from earlier this year between my colleague, co-host Dr. Tracy Corley, and Denny Zane, the Executive Director of Move LA. Zane shared how transformative transportation projects in LA County were made possible by regional ballot initiatives. The provisions contained in the Transportation Bond Bill currently before a conference committee are passed, RBIs would give voters across our state the same ability to raise funds for transportation investments that improve their communities and develop their regional economies. Gateway city leaders have been fighting for this tool for literally decades. Joining me today to talk about why it's so important that we finally have it in our hands coming out of this pandemic is Mary Waldron, a longtime colleague who's now executive director at the Old Colony Planning Council in Brockton. Mary, thank you so much for taking time this morning to talk with us. Good morning, Ben, and thank you for having me. So um, you, I know you've, you're a longtime Brockton area leader, served as economic development director in the city when we first met over a decade ago. Now you're leading a regional planning commission and, and really need to think about mobility in your region and how uh, infrastructure allows you to grow and develop great opportunities for your residents. It does, and and I guess maybe what I would first start to say is, so with, with our pandemic, um, we are all working remotely. Um, today, I'm working remotely from my mom's house in Chicopee, which is home to Tim Brennan's district, the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission. And of course, as you know, we lost Tim, who was such a strong, strong advocate for um, RBIs. And um, I think it's fitting. It's almost emotional for me because, um, you know, the, the idea that it took me this, you know, last yesterday when I came out here is, you know, took me up Route 24 that was jammed with traffic. Um, that took me to 128 that was jammed with traffic. Then Mount Mass Pike. Oh, by the way, it had some traffic. Um, you know, the fact that the roads and, you know, just kind of was really um, um, brought it home for me in terms of our conversation that we're having you know, this this Commonwealth needs and our region, Old Colony Planning Council and the other regional planning council need safe and reliable, affordable transportation. Um, and, you know, for the constituencies, whether it's business and, and, and trucks or, or, um, or whether it's commercial um, usage or our residents and going to and from work, um, remote or not, the reality is, is that that transportation as and a system that is working well um, is, is so desperately needed. And unfortunately, um, the, the, the resources that are available just don't quite meet the need. You know, I, I think I leave it with that is that it, it does offer a challenge and communities are looking for different tools. You know, when I started working on Gateway City Economic Development, I think the first lesson for me was Gateway Cities had profound economic restructuring challenges, and they faced them on their own with their hands tied behind their backs, literally. They did not have the ability to implement their plans. They could do all sorts of planning, and many of them had, but they could never implement their visions because they couldn't raise revenue and make long-term investments. And I think we saw the product of that. You know, They just couldn't get up to speed to participate in the new economy. And here, here we are again. There's no question the ground is going to shift underneath our feet. Uh, are we going to be able to respond? You know, and I think 
that's the question. How are we going to respond? You know, and there are things that we can all do, the municipalities, regional planning agencies. So for instance, at Old Colony Planning Council, our um, comprehensive planning and economic development department and our transportation department meet on a weekly basis. Um, the discussions um, about if we are going to fund a transportation project, what other planning can we do around that cluster our efforts, right? So those are things that we can do in working and having good communication skills with the town administrator, the Board of Selectmen, you know, the housing committees and things of that nature. But those are things that we can control and improve communication. But at some point, we really are stopgapped at, at, at what we can do because infrastructure is, is, is falling apart and it's not, you know, the connectivity is not there. So even in West, in, in, um, in Southeastern Mass, particularly right there, we've got 24 and 495 and Route 3 and 128. But in between, those are all roads that have, um, have not really maybe quite gotten the attention that's needed. And, you know, that's the challenges that our municipalities are, are having, our finance departments and regional planning agencies as we're trying to help our communities. And, um, I, you know, this, um, uh, with the conference committee on the RBIs, it really is an effort to, to give those tools, um, particularly in this pandemic where, where resources are no longer available. And, you know, we can, um, we can rely on some funding from the feds, but we really got to be able to do something local that we're able to control. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is one of the questions, too, on our minds foremost, is that the feds have not had as much money the last few decades for infrastructure and they are awarding it competitively to regions that provide local match, uh, which is harder for our regions to be able to do because they don't have the ability to generate revenue locally. It's it's a challenge, um, and and you know I know that the communities are all you know struggling with schools and starting and you know but then you're also wait you know the business community is a bit apprehensive about whether number one they can come back if they're going to come back at all. Um, so relying on that tax base or, or, or increased tax base is really non-existent in terms of, you know, where to go, but they still have to function. People still need food on their table. There still needs to be deliveries of things and need a roof over your house. And right, all those things are all inter, inter, integrated. Um, and, you know, it's the struggles of the communities and we trying to help our communities. Um, we're lucky in some ways, we only have 17 in OCPC region, but right, you're talking about MAPC with 101, you're talking about Western Mass and Berkshires, and you know, it's, it's a challenge. And um, there's no other way to really be thinking and be thinking like the rest of the country, right? Because I think we're only, we're one, one of only, I think, nine states in the, in the country that do not have this tool available. You know, I think, you know, some people see us as a smaller state where everything's integrated, so we don't need to have regions with their own autonomy. You know, on the other hand, when we do things that way, it seems like you need a super majority of legislators to agree on any sort of revenue raising measure. And so it's very difficult to make investments and we wait and wait and wait for the legislature to make investments while communities aren't able, regions aren't able to address dire needs. Right, it, 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 some of the um, internal discussions that I've heard is that, you know, this um, this tool, if you will, 
um, is only going to benefit wealthy communities. And, and, and that's just not true. And I think that's why we're trying to really do our best, we as regional planning agencies, but also uh, MARPA, the Massachusetts Association of Regional Planning Agencies, really taking up the effort to, um, to strongly support this, um, the, the language in the conference committee to have to be funded. Um, because it, it's not just the wealthy communities, it's, it's really taking those less affluent to partner with those wealthy communities and have those conversations. Um, it, it, it takes effort, it most certainly does. Um, but I really feel that there are many entities, whether it's MassDOT, whether it's the regional planning agencies, um, um, MA, MAPC, but also Mass Municipal Association, you know, Gateway Cities, all of us coming together to really support this in this exact time that's so desperately needed. Um, the transportation projects, you know, otherwise they really just will take a long time. Um, and then we become even further in the hole. So now's really the time for us to act on this and to support. Um, and, you know, it's, it's uh, again, where it's hard to predict nowadays, everybody's said, you know, a little bit tenuous, but we feel that if we get these, this foundation under the ground for our regions, um, we'll be better off for coming out of the pandemic to be ready to go. Yeah, I think that's such an important point you made there. Um, you know, if you look at the experience around the country, you know, a lot of it is smaller, more rural, less affluent regions that are using RBIs to invest in their future. And I think that's just so important because a lot of the economy is about confidence, we know. And if people see things happening, if they see that leaders in their region are making good investments, you know, then they believe in a brighter future and they invest privately around them as well. But if, if we just sit there saying we have no money, we can't do anything, that's, that's where you get malaise and lack of confidence. That, that very point, um, I happened to be on a call with the Brockton partnership um, made up of some banks and businesses in Brockton, and it's at its early stages in terms of, of looking like the Lowell Plan or the Lawrence Partnership. But, but that very discussion, and it's business folks for the most part, um, that very piece is that we, if the business community gives up, then everybody else really gives up and we can't have it. And their, their very point being made is that we have to show confidence. We have to show at least an effort, whether it's an educational piece, you know, if it's a bit of engagement, um, you know, the action piece will come, um, but you really have to keep vigilant on these items um, because otherwise then we typically will then you know, fall. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has certainly not been, you know, from the very beginning. So Old Colony Planning Council has Plymouth, right? The founding um, um, town community for, for the Commonwealth. You know, they're not giving up and they're reinventing themselves. And even though it's their fourth, 400th anniversary, um, they didn't give up. So they reinvented and they're doing all these different things in a, in a much more socially distanced way. That confidence and that Vigilance is critical for our communities. And if this tool and the tools that are given through the RBI that will provide um, the readiness and, and, and perhaps even some ingenuity, right? Through the era funding, there were more um, startup businesses than ever before. Perhaps this is the time that as we are looking at having startups and, 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 and new ideas and innovativeness really kind of blossom, 
that infrastructure, those mobility, that mobility topic is going to be critical for getting either their product or for themselves getting to and from or their customers. Yeah. Well, okay. So last and final point that you sort of raised there, I think one of the other critiques we've heard about RBIs is we don't have a history of working together as regions so that therefore we shouldn't do it. Uh, but we do, as you mentioned, you know, we have these regional economic development partnerships that, you know, are, are gaining some steam and are starting to bring people together to work collaboratively on economic development. We have our regional planning organizations that have long tried to, to bring communities together and think holistically. So empowering them seems like the way to have more success it, it, rather than preventing I them from having tools to do the work. I, I totally agree. Um, so my background, as you pointed out, you know, I came from, um, I worked for the state for many years and then I came to Brockton and worked for the mayor and worked for mass development, um, worked for um, Bridgewater State University and working on regional matters and, um, the engagement piece throughout all of my experience has been the critical linchpin. Um, coming to the table, bringing people to the table, putting things you know, that we agree upon, but also putting things that maybe we don't agree upon and how do we get people together or how to compromise. The regional planning agencies and particularly Mark Drayson at MAPC and um, Jeff Walker from SERPED, um, those are our, our my neighbors and um, we do, and we do have to talk because air, transportation, water, natural resources, they don't stop at borders. They just don't, and they can't, um, and nor should they. We need to be able to talk to each other about mutual and mutual agreement about how do we address the issues. I can name a number of items that we've worked together on, and 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 in fact, um, our other regional planning agencies, we have a meeting, it's on our discussion about how do we then continue to move forward on not only this, but how do we then apply for maybe CARES Act funding together that we can mutually benefit that all of our regions and working with our communities. So, you know, what, what may happen down um, the Cape may also be something that might be, um, you know, something that may be relevant at Old Colony Planning Council. Well, unfortunately, Mary, that's all the time we have. Thanks for all your service, all the work you're doing and uh, for taking time this morning to talk with us. Well, thank you, Ben. Have a great day and I appreciate this conversation. My guest today joins us remotely from La La Land. Yay. Denny Zane, Executive Director of Move LA. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, indeed. It's La 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 all the way over here. <laughs> it's so far away. Well, as our listeners know, our focus here on our podcast surrounds gateway cities in Massachusetts. But the reason for our discussion today has to do with something uh, happening out in your neck of the woods that could be of an inspiration to the folks here in Massachusetts. Can you start by telling us a bit more about Move LA? Uh, what is it and how did it get started? Well, uh, Move LA was dreamed up one afternoon as I was sitting on Olympic Boulevard stuck in traffic. A newscast came on and it said, L.A. Metro announces that it has no money for any new projects for 30 years. Wow. And I heard that and went, what? Which was it meant, of course, that we would be stuck in a worsening gridlock with nothing we could do about it. Um, a friend of mine, Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa, had just been 
elected mayor. I knew he was strongly supportive of transit. So mm -hmm. I just decided that moment that I was going to try to put together a coalition uh, to support him because mayors are not kings. They have to have maybe presidents are kings, right? But mayors are not kings. <laughs> And they need coalitions um, to help them move the ball and think about what could be done to remedy this problem of nothing to invest in improving our transportation situation. And that we had to hurry because we learned soon that if we were thinking about a ballot measure, we would have to hurry to get the legislature to authorize it. Um, if we were going to make the 2016, or that back then, 2008 election. But we did it. Okay. And that, and that conference became a, the first convening, and the organization was named after the theme of the conference. It's time to move L.A. That's a perfect way to get started. I mean, the things that you're talking about, you know, no new revenue available for 30 years, um, trying to figure out how to put together a coalition and kind of dealing with gridlock. And it's kind of funny that, you know, you had this uh, epiphany kind of sitting in traffic. You know, we here in the Commonwealth are also dealing with these kinds of things as well as unreliable transit. And this is something that they are dealing with on a daily basis. You know, there are even areas across our Commonwealth which have no access to transit. But Denny, you know, before we kind of dig into kind of what happened in, in Los Angeles, uh, didn't you used to live in Massachusetts? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Right after, right after graduating from college here in Los Angeles at Occidental, I decided to go out to Massachusetts. And so I lived in, in, in a Brookline village, Waltham, so on and so forth, um, for a couple of years. And I used to go to the hay market, and we'd take the MPA to the hay market. And there was one um, morning, well, maybe afternoon, the train – um, stalled or something on the bridge crossing the Charles River. The Charles River was frozen. It was quite cold out. And, you know, so we were sitting there on top of the river and somebody was tapping their fingers and another person had like one of those big, kind of like a sled looks like a gigantic frisbee. And it was, you know, so I started just tapping my finger also. And so this guy and I were kind of tapping our fingers. And I started to sing a little song. People get ready for this train of coming. <laughs> or at least that was the dream, right? This <laughs> <laughs> train of coming. And uh, other people started singing, and before long, the whole the whole rail car was singing. People get ready. There's a train of coming. <laughs> and then you know, eventually, eventually the the train started up and. We made it to Haymarket just fine. As we all got out, we waved goodbyes like we all had a bonding experience. <laughs> now, Denny, do you mind sharing with our audience, like, exactly when was that? That would have been about uh, 1970, 71. Wow. 70, well, I have to say, yeah. Yeah, well, we're still having the exact same de uh, delays that you were having back in 1971. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> not, not much has changed. And, you know, the cha challenge has been that little has been done to create revenue streams that uh, would work to solve some of our rail as well as uh, bus 
and overall traffic uh, issues. I know that the legislature is currently working on this now. They're uh, uh, investigating a, a finance pack, financial package. Uh, but there's a huge divide in what different parts of the state will support, especially proposed measures like an increase in the uh, gas tax, uh, congestion pricing, or tolling. Now, the reason why I'm talking to you today is because we know that regional ballot initiatives present a unique opportunity for legislators to avoid political risk that comes with proposing new taxes and also provides private citizens with some control to choose what transportation projects they might want to fund with their tax dollars. Denny, tell us a little bit more about what happened in L.A. County. Yeah, so kind of how did, you know, this coalition go about raising money and and just what happened? Yeah, well... We had a lot of uh, important L.A. County leaders in the room having this discussion uh, about what we should do. And one of the options we put on the table as part of the discussion, and and I was moderating several of the panels, so it was all done in a kind of plenary session, so everybody was hearing everybody. And it turned out that the whole magic of the moment was that it was like convening a coalition in public. Everybody could hear what different leaders would agree to, in effect. It really it really crystallized the moment. Um, we had done some polling to know that among the various revenue sources that a, tax, a sales tax was by far the preferred tax revenue source among voters. And we had, we had that moment there where we could make a convincing case. Um, and we knew that there was really no other way to get revenue at the scale we needed. Um, the legislature in Sacramento was not going to, you know, vote that scale of money to Los Angeles County. Um, it would have to do it for the whole state. Then it would be, the funding would be, um, you know, shared, and you wouldn't have a concentrated resource, really, uh, of the scale needed to address the problem of L.A. County. In California, um, when an agency puts a measure on the ballot, um, it takes two-thirds vote from the voters to approve it, not a simple majority. You know, and for, for many, that's really a daunting prospect. We counseled that there really was no good alternative um, if you were going to, you know, try to fund. I mean, we thought about, hey, why don't we do something that would fund the subway? But, you know, L.A. County is a big county. Why would we get the votes in Long Beach or the San Fernando Valley to tax themselves to vote for a project on one corridor? You really had to talk about a system that you were investing yeah. in. And that, and that meant, in effect, that we were going to put what was essentially um, – county long-range plan um, on the ballot, although, you know, the moment of a measure coming forward would crystallize the discussions in a way that, you know, were things that might take three years to resolve would get, get resolved in, in three or four months because, you know, the, the process disciplined itself, the, the deadlines disciplined themselves. You talk about major projects, not just the long laundry list of road repairs and so on, um, that would have been weed. Like It looked to the voters like weeds. And so having yeah. major projects in each part of the county, um, really convening the coalition of leadership and 
labor and business, environmental faith and social justice communities, etc., were all kind of essential elements together. Um, and so, um, and we had to push the legislature to authorize it, and uh, that was a challenge, but not not at all impossible. Um, everybody saw the problem. Everybody knew the problem. And I think the logic of a county-based sales tax measure made a lot of sense. Yeah, it brings up a really key issue for our, for our listeners because, you know, with our gateway cities, there's been a lot of discussion about the resources that go to Metro Boston versus the resources that go into other parts of the state. And you bring up a really great point about, you know, regional ballot initiatives being a way to address regional equity, making sure that, you know, people can kind of choose what makes the most sense in their local communities. As well as you also talked about, it was something that you were able to do more quickly than taking it through the legislature. Yeah, equity turns out to be a sort of prerequisite of victory. And and uh. it gives everybody it gives everybody a stake in coming to yes on the on, on what on what's being funded where. Uh finding mm-hmm. agreement was I think a much a readily achievable objective because because the schedule of the ballot measure was really a discipline that, that the normal legislative process doesn't actually uh, enable. We were we were so so I think mean, pleased with the way it all worked uh, when the voters voted. Um, you know, it was it was election night. Obama was being elected president. We had a good voter turnout, and we mm-hmm. got sixty seven point four percent of the vote. Yeah. So you're saying that you got sixty seven percent of the vote and support. Even amidst yeah. an economy collapse, but exactly what did the people vote for? That's one of the things we haven't talked about yet. Um, what what exactly was it that they voted for? Well, it was Measure R, and it was a half cent sales tax, which would generate um, estimated uh, forty $40 billion dollars over thirty years. And there was okay. an expenditure plan that had you know, a half a dozen major projects, rail projects primarily, but not mm-hmm. only. I mean, about 20% of the money would go to highway projects. A chunk of the money would go to um, local governments for them to spend on local transportation projects, street and road repair and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and But all totaled, about 70% would go to transit. You know, that was really, a, and primarily rail, but not only. It's a very significant amount for bus operations. Um, and, we, and, and when you say rail, that's both commuter rail as well as uh, light rail for the county? Um, yes, but the commuter rail is more of a regional system that each county contributes to. On account of that particular arrangement, the kind of a joint power authority arrangement, it never quite gets the money it needs from each county. You know, mm-hmm. every county sort of relies on the other county to pony up if there's going to be a real change, a real improvement. And the counties never built the trust and the collaboration they needed to do that on the commuter rail. But mm-hmm. actually, we're working okay. on that now. <laughs> Is that another ballot initiative? Yes, we are working okay. on um, getting legislation approved for a truly regional ballot measure, which would be again, a sales tax, that would raise about $65 billion over 30 years. The wow. primary objective of which will be 
strategies to reduce air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions, about a third of the money would go to this regional rail system. And frankly, it never would have happened but for the success in Los Angeles. So it's very exciting to be a very, very, very major greenhouse gas reduction strategy as well. Well, we have something currently that we're looking at. It's actually a multi-state initiative, kind of given how small all of our uh, states here are in the Northeast, uh, between 13 different states and uh, Washington, D.C., called the Transportation and Climate Initiative. And so that's actually a cap and invest program that we've been looking to California and other regions across the country to mimic. But it sounds like you're taking a very similar approach to address uh, climate issues, air pollution, greenhouse gas emissions, using a ballot initiative as opposed to uh, using a, um, a cap and invest program. Yeah, well, the cap and trade program that California has, I think, has been very successful. Um, it generates significant resources, a billion and a half dollars a year. But every year it also gets negotiated about how that's, how that's spent. New legislatures have different view of the priorities, et cetera. One of the things that a ballot measure does particularly good for transfer, but also will be very, very, very good for um, rolling out clean cars, trucks, trains, boats, and planes, mm-hmm. is that you can create a very reliable long-term revenue source. And so manufacturers of clean technology who need to know that there's a market before they really ramp up the manufacturing, a ballot mm-hmm. measure, 30-year ballot measure, is very reliable revenue. Over the long term, yeah. they know that there will be, you know, a charging infrastructure or a, or a fuel cell hydrogen infrastructure. They know that there will be uh, support for their efforts, and they can start planning and, and, and ramping up manufacturing. That will bring the That's cost a- down, and those technologies yeah. will become, become very, very cost competitive much more quickly. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, and it's very important to emphasize, you know, the long-term planning that uh, regional ballot initiatives provides uh, kind of allows companies to make the kinds of investments we need to make into improving our transportation system, into mitigating for or, or reducing greenhouse gas emissions, to reducing air pollution, to to bring down some of those ill health effects uh, that kind of come from well, and, what's happening. And looking, and looking at the transit system itself, um, that kind of long-term revenue can be bonded against. The longer the revenue, the more secure it is, the more mm-hmm. favorable the bonding terms are, and you can accelerate yeah. your projects. Right. So I didn't even think about being able to bond against uh, the revenues that are kind of coming through the pipeline, which allows you to then exponentially increase the amount of funding you can bring in for your transportation projects. And you're more competitive when you seek federal money for your projects as well because you've got local skin in the game. It makes a lot of sense, but I have to ask a a really uh, important question. Now, Los Angeles is a large city. Actually, it's the second largest in our country. You know, here in Massachusetts, our gateway cities, however, are former industrial cities that have been hit hard by the change to a more information and finance-based economy. And they often lack the diverse kind of municipal revenues or wealth-generating industries that uh, cities like Boston or L.A. have that can, you know, fund and support, you know, a sales tax ballot initiative. Um, How do you see uh, RBIs working for smaller cities? For example, you know, what's happening in California's Inland Empire that would be comparable to kind of what's happening here in Massachusetts? Yeah, well, the Inland Empire 
San Bernardino and Riverside County, where I grew up, um, they fund their transportation system through similar measures. They're not as aggressive as L.A. County has been about putting things before voters. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's part of a political culture. Um, although I think they're now becoming more interested. You know, I think if you're in a, when you're an elected official, elected officials are very reluctant to approve taxes because there's always mm-hmm. political fallout from somewhere, right? Of course, and yeah. They might feel it's unpredictable about whether they're winners or losers politically in that. However, when you place something before the before the voters as a ballot measure, number one, you're letting the voters decide. So you bear less as an elected official. You get less negativity. It turns out that the voters, I think, are far more ready to invest in infrastructure, in long-term improvements, things that they know are essential than legislators are. It's, it removes, if you will, a political barrier, even though you have to go through the effort to raise money and run a campaign and such. It's um, For major resources, it's really quite uh, much, much more effective than the regular legislative process. And so it sounds like it also it can, it's, it's been working for smaller cities in California, just like it can work for smaller cities here in uh, Massachusetts. As we're looking now at the regional measure that I described in the South Coast Air District, which includes mm-hmm. L.A. County, Orange County, Riverside County, and San Bernardino County, that's a population of about 19 million people. That's almost half of the population of all of California. So as we as we look at that, and we're looking for 2022, the county transportation commissions in the Inland Empire are looking at measures for 2020. So there is a, um, I guess, a bit of a bandwagon effect that where they start to say, okay, for the local county only stuff, we'll go now in 2020. For the regional stuff, the regional you know rail system, the commuter rail system, which is a 500-mile system throughout all those counties. For that, we'll, go, we'll, we'll do the regional measure in 2022 and okay. have all the greenhouse gas and air pollution reduction as well. People are yeah. learning that this is the voters are much more favorable to this than they realized, and the discipline that it creates in the process is very advantageous. Denny Zane, Executive Director of Move LA, thank you so much for being here. Well, I enjoy talking about this stuff, so anytime. That's it for this week's episode of Gateways. I'm Ben Foreman. Gateways is produced by Libby Gormley. Music by Worcester's own, the Curtis Mayflower. Thank you to our sponsors, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, Eastern Bank, Enterprise Bank, and the Barr Foundation. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.